everybody welcome back to all new the artist talk season four on this um we already had we got one episode in the can already that episode should be up very soon that's one is with zl nash an emerging artist at cal state dominguez hills and if y'all thinking is everyone gonna be from dh maybe am i working on people to get <laughs> outside of dh I'm working on it, but I as so far I do have one, but technically they're still tied to um, Dominguez Hills, and that is working artist, working professional artist, Derek Prado. Thank you for coming on, Derek. Thank you for having me it, into it, your talk. Thank you. Um, it was something I have been working on because I had to have a list of people I wanted to bring on, but it's like I have people do messaging like, "Why are you having you on me on on this episode?" I'm like, scheduling. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like the, at the end of the day, it's scheduling because majority of the people who wants to be on, they're still in school, or like yourself, you're constantly working, networking. So I'm working towards your schedule, and majority of the time, I don't like recording at twelve in the afternoon because most of the time, because since the pandemic started, I normally get up at like at two now. So this is early <laughs> for me. <laughs> and my bedtime is now 3 a.m because majority of the time (laughs) i'm either yes playing video games i can admit that here on artist talk i either play video games or (laughs) i'm working on a new piece thinking of making them a new piece or i'm watching some form of art video where it is like inspiring like what can i do to like to approach my piece and there's um something i haven't done in a minute um, dry painting, which hmm. is like using very little water, and it's like I want to incorporate. That's something like it was like the last talk we had. We talked about using this as a entryway for grad school for me, but we um, it was we talked about that, but we also talked about the possibility of having you on here. But we're not gonna talk about me because this is not what the show is about. We're, we're, it's about you. <laughs> Me learning from you, which I already did because the grad school portion of it, which I do thank you because <laughs> I am legit considering. I already have it on my CV after we talked. Uh, That's really great to hear. Is this, how can this? Okay, this would be a good question. For someone who want to use physical media, which would be my pieces, and now the audio portion, would that be two separate portfolios or will it just be all in just all in one portfolio um i think it depends on how or where you want to go for your college so some colleges usually would have like different categories and different focuses so if there was one type of um program in which it was just primarily focusing on sculpture or physical type of objects you use that for that portfolio Mm -hmm. but if you know they're open to different mixes of it so you have sound and sculpture to put in your portfolio you can but i think as long as they feed into similar context so if you have similar context to what you're wanting to talk about as you as the artist it gives them more leeway to figuring out who exactly that they're going to be working with and what would be the best way for you to be able to be in this campus because ultimately campuses in different art schools, different universities and all, like they all have different focuses. They have different types of, uh, I'd say tastes in ways of like how they work with their students and starting like 
their way of like, okay, the student has familiar work that seemingly can match up with ours. Let's see if we can help them out more a bit. But if not, then they may not accept that individual student and another college may possibly or art school may possibly want you. When you say match up with with their style, what do you mean by that? I mean, in the sense of like, there's different colleges that have like this type of understanding of what the artwork is about, because there are instances where students would make work that some schools don't necessarily understand much. And that kind of messes up the way of like how they actually pick students, which in many cases, it's really unfortunate. But in a way, it is a learning experience for both those that are choosing the artists and for the student who wants to choose into that school, because there's always times where you're going to end up finding the perfect match of a school that works with the type of visual language or types of languages in general of what, what you want to work on and that they may be very familiar with and that they'd be interested in working with you. It's pretty much like an afterthought in many cases that these schools pretty much choose. But I see it like where that is like a type of incidents that happen. Like with me, like when I was going into Otis, I've talked to professors and like how they've picked and decide how students would be chosen. And in some cases, it is pretty much based on what the professors can read from the work. And they're saying that this is a work that we're wanting to work with or not. Wow. So it's like yeah. a more trying to be diplomatic <laughs> on this as, far, <laughs> as much as possible. Um, yeah. It's it seems very to me like the if I was not within the art context in the, this art world essentially I see that as uh, as that side I see it as very picky. Yeah, um, in a lot of cases it is picky, honestly. Um, but the other half be is like I can I get it because if you can't understand what the person is producing what hopes that what if that person did make it through the program will the general public or people within this community well would they get it as well i can i kind of could see it and it's like mm -hmm. if they can like pick it out not pick it out just like all right they have this artist like how can we help them be stronger at what they're what, what they're producing i, I kind of can see where they're going yeah it's not like a oh sorry no i was, I was didn't go ahead Oh, well, because in a way, like with arts colleges, art universities, it's not in a way where it's like a very much straightforward answer. Like if you're going as a mathematician, you're going to be going to this huge university. And if you don't know that two plus two equals four, and you just say two plus two equals 16, you know, that's definitely wrong. And they're not wanting to choose you. Like yep. they definitely see that you don't understand math. And in a way... With art schools, art's subjective. So there's no right or wrong answer, yeah. but there definitely is a subjectivity of what some of these colleges may be focusing on, especially if you're putting in work that definitely does not go with what they're going for. Like if you're a performance artist and you decide yeah, you want to go to a design school, why would you want to put a portfolio of all your performance work in a design context? That's true. And there's like a lot of complications of like, what exactly does an artist have in their portfolio that can be able to subjugate them to, you know, being part of the school or if they end up actually getting chosen or not, you know, just based on the context of the work and what exactly do they have that gives the people that are choosing the students of interest. Okay, because I've always noticed I'm more 
all over the place. Like I like sculpting. Mm-hmm. I like sculpting more free, um, free form. Like let me. Like I don't like having to be told you need to make this. No, because um, we had um, Humana Sarno. She keeps on coming. I'm gonna have to get her on because her, her name keeps pop popping up on for so far two seasons already. But um, <laughs> the way how we she approached sculpting with us, she showed us different um, variety of um, artists that goes with the representational um, non-representational uh, pieces of sculpting. Um, it could be the size of a room to very small and intimate to which she is also known for very intimate pieces where she's incorporating sound music with her pieces and she even like, mm-hmm. um, like very meticulously musical notes on the ceramics that she sculpts and that is something but that's like I like doing represent, non-representational or representational sculpting but in a more abstract way while painting it feels more freedom like i think i found my niche by going with thinking of new wave 80s skateboarding but with a more modern twist but then you have this podcasting where i always say and i've been saying it helps me learn more about the artist but then also more mm-hmm. about not only the artist but the person as well, but it also reflects how I'm going to now approach my work or how I'm going to approach yeah. going into the field, which is you give me more than enough information where I'm now weird. Not, I'm not weary about going to grad school, but I now have like a better sense of like, all right, I know what I need to probably focus more now than I did, say, maybe what, three months ago. Yeah. Um, but something I did want to ask. How did your family, because this has been a common theme, and I'm going to keep this rolling. How does your family feel about you going into art? Oof, like, huh? honestly, there was a bit of a roller coaster on that one. Um, I feel this is like a type of subject that everyone goes through, and it is pretty much the typical, like, family members either not accepting this type of idea for their child the child or family member to going into art because they don't think it's economically achievable or if they feel like there's that much that you can get from being an art major or just focusing in your master's degree especially with either you know loan burdens or any kind of situation where you feel like you're needing the family for like either a family business or any kind of uh you know just family just having this disagreement on art there is a lot of issues into that. But for me, what happened was that my parents were kind of split on it. Like, my dad was supportive of it. He was pretty much a graphics designer for Northrop Goodman for a couple of years. So he pretty much has this creative field of working with computers, but in design. For me, however, I'm going into a field that is in the creative arts, but more and less away a bit from technology, but more into like, you know, the fine art type of field. So with my father, he was pretty much all right with it. As long as I knew what I was doing and where I was going, which I encourage everybody to be able to study what you're exactly going into, you know, not just the creative field, but you know, the business side, the economic side, every different portions of the art world where you can find different niches to work in so then you could be able to, you know, achieve your goals. 
you know, I highly encourage that you spread out and you learn more about the art world rather than just the making of it. And when it comes to my mother, she was pretty much disagreeable on it, mostly because she thought that there wasn't much to get after my graduates. And she's like, no, like you're going to end up having either a financial burden or you're just going to end up not getting much with a master's degree in art. Like who gets a job and graduates in arts? But you know, this was mostly when before she knew a lot more of like what the art world was about, which is where I've added in earlier that you have to study exactly what the art world is, you know, because it's not just galleries. It's pretty much more outside of that. It's the creative, theoretical thinking, the concepts of design, ideas, philosophy, different ways, how you just look at the world differently. You're outside the box. There's different companies that are outside of the art world who hire artists sometimes just to have thinkers in the field, people who think differently. And it's what I feel that with art, there is that misconception where we're just seen as just the people who paint and put their work in galleries, but, you know, we're more than that. So when I was able to explain that, and with my professor, Devin Suno, when the graduation happened, he was able to help me out and to further talk into that point with my mother. And in fact, it pretty much encouraged her to, you know, give me some support, like moral support in a way, you know, just to tell me like, oh, yeah, I'm with you on this. If you really do want to do this and if you know that what you're doing and you know what you're going into and not going in a way that you have no idea what exactly is going on, then I'm in support of it. So that's what I feel like if people are in that situation, you got to communicate and you got to let them know, like that you are aware of what's going to happen or that what you're going into and especially to be able to work hard and being able to do what you want to do, not just because you want to, but because you have to and you need to. Okay. Um, Yeah. I said that is very unique because majority, the common theme and you technically broke a barrier because majority of the artists we had on here, Allison, and ZL are the two whose families were. Allison was one hundred. Her family was one hundred percent for her being an artist because the majority of her family are artists. Um, mm. We learned on here. Um, ZL, her mother is a designer and an artist, but she's fo- her mother focuses more on design. Um, she said majority of her family was iffy, but they, but they kind of like they supported her because of the fact that her mother was successful as an um, as a designer herself. Um, mm-hmm. But it's majority of the men are the ones who are always like, "How can you make a living out of this?" And uh, in this, and you mm-hmm. Tenny Brooke, because now you show that your mother is the one who was apprehensive about the father. Your father was more approachable to it because yes, he has a background in design, but he like he has an understanding of what you're probably going to be going through as an artist yourself. So I, I find I I always find that kind of interesting because I always said both my parents <laughs> did not like my grandmother was the only person my grandmother and grandfather were the only people who were, like supportive of me being an artist and they always asked mm-hmm. me why am I doing everything but that yeah so I was like okay I'm gonna do it I'm, a, I'm a, <laughs> I was like I'm gonna focus I'm gonna focus on it I was like yeah it cost a lot of money I, I, if y'all don't take away <laughs> The biggest takeaway out of this for anyone who's going to listen to these episodes, it costs money. Yeah. So Money and physical, mental labor as well, because that is going to be producing that money. 
yeah. you have to be willing to not only be brave enough to go into this field knowing that you're going to be going through this, but you have to have the physical, mental capacity to being able to get through it. Because nowadays, especially during COVID, it is very complicated for people in the arts to be able to going through this field. Yeah. Even though there's like a lot of opportunities to get grants and there's a lot of opportunities to be able to be in these projects that can support you, there is a huge percentage of artists that have been impacted by this. So even before COVID, there's been issues of this, but COVID just pretty much unleashed like the lion from the lion's den. Yeah, there there has yeah. been um, the common also another common theme is like, how can you be able to create amidst this where? Now that is something I was going to ask. Now that you're mm-hmm. out of the collegiate system and you're now left to your own devices, how do you continue on to create? Hmm. Well, to add in a bit earlier from what was um, said about like, you know, your family being acceptable to it. And, but then like for my family is a bit different from my father. Well, it's mostly because with my dad, he pretty much has a lot more understanding of technology, but also he had the creative mind to be able to bring forth some of his artistic side into this technological side. So he had two niches to work with okay. technology and art. Okay. So in a way, when it comes down to just understanding like where you're going to in the field of art, there's also the understanding of what skills do you have? What kind of abilities and awareness do you have? So you could contribute to not only to your artwork, but to the art world and to the world outside of it. That's how you can be able to contribute. And that's how you can add in into that. So with that said, I can say that with what I'm going through now is that I have this understanding and awareness of where I can be and what I can possibly do with what I got outside from the studio, outside from the grad program. Because, you know, once when you're gone from your grad program, you're on your own. And depending on whether or not you have networks or you're able to, you know, get a buddy or your friend or anybody that you know who is a fellow artist or somebody who is willing to support you, you can be able to have, like, those assets of, like, different networks to be able to work with Mm -hmm. that's pretty much where i've pretty much been able to go around and just being able to figure out what i could possibly do point a to point b is just communicating with different people and just making sure that i'm active out there and making work in the same time that i'm also making sure that you know i help people back and they help me and then there's like this way of like being able to connect that way and you have these skills which is in a way, convenient, social skills, working skills, labor skills, and then you could be able to, you know, feed your work into that. So that's what I've been mostly doing in the first couple of months since COVID started is that I just been talking, communicating, working with other people. And currently now I'm pretty much working in like different small studio spaces as I'm going with my artwork as well. Okay. Um, is there any studio spaces yeah. you can, um, or people who you work on or you can speak if you're allowed to speak on? that you're working with well even currently right now with language because currently i'm here in language studios as a matter of fact i'm here in my studio in language because i've been able to you know have this connection and being able to help out and pretty much now i have the residency here in language studios and have a space now to work whereas before when covid started I only had my house and I pretty much had my family around me. And, you know, being in a big Mexican household, it's really difficult to 
making work and having space to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I was only able to create drawings and being able to create these small works. But instead, now, like, I have space to think. I have space to be able to work with myself and bigger sizes of works, but also to be able to have the time to have this thinking space to be in ways of how I could support my work. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's, that is awesome. Because essentially, it's, it's just networking in and yeah. out of school, essentially. And... um. I, I know that and, is what I'm lacking right now. Well, in a way, I'm kind of doing it already. <laughs> mm-hmm. But because in honest, go sorry, ahead. no, go ahead. Um, because in honesty, like when it comes to art schools, art universities, all these institutions, they're primarily done for the fact that it helps you make you think more about your work, but it's also there to connect and to socialize with people. Yeah. It's very important, too, because then you have these different cohorts of people that you can communicate with, and that feeds into your work. But at the same time, you can help them feed their work. And that type of connectivity continues on. All these gallerists, these collectors, all these people that are organizing these works and different artists, that cohort is going to be the future leaders of the art world. So you stay in this network, you connect with this artwork, you end up creating with them they'll be able to invite you and then be able to create this different new art world like what we're doing now you know as, as you mentioned in the beginning it's like you've been focusing a lot more on dominguez hills people that's because that's your network that you're able to work with and that you're building up and sooner or later those people that you've connected with ends up connecting with other people and they could possibly connect them to you and then that gives you more ways to be able to work with other people you know, which is why it's very important that not only do you create work, but you also just go out there and, you know, let yourself be known. Not in a way like that could be considered like, oh, like, look at me, I'm making artwork, but, you know, but be there, support others and being there for the sake of art and for the sake of, you know, supporting your friends, yeah. you know, be the honest, truthful self. And then that's where you start learning a lot more about who you know. And then you possibly end up receiving like a way to figuring out different ways of going around the art world. Different people experience it in different ways and they could help you out by telling you how or they help you out by being able to connect you to somebody who can also support. That's pretty much how it is from when I've seen it. Pretty much building a sense of community and making sure that community is um, kept together by communication, essentially. Yeah. Because that is something that I've been preaching. I was like, any of you dislike the... Well, now nah, I'm going to step away from that one. Cause, whoo, <laughs> I don't want I don't want to reveal things on here. So I'm just going like, to... I'm just going to... We're going to move on. We're going to move on. Um, something I've noticed. Um, the evolution of your work. Um, yes. This, this is a horrible segue, but I'm going for it. Um, the evolution of your work. Like, I feel, because I came in in 2017, and seeing your work, I, my first semester, which probably would have to be what your, maybe your second or third semester in 2017. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I feel like your work was driven, because this was Trump's first year in office, essentially. Yeah. Um, but then, Of 2016. 2016 was his, was his first year, because he, he was... 
in by 2015 or 2014? He was pretty much in by 2017, but once when, you know, the election year was going on, you know, that's where he pretty much won for the November election. Okay. Um, yeah. Being politics weekly. But <laughs> um, I've noticed your the evolution where it was politics, mainly Trump and then Kim Jong-un, and then we're at, we're at the point now where it's more nature-based, how we are essentially damaging the planet, and but you're using found resources to create your pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, the transitioning between re, what she was doing for those last basically two and a half years at Dominguez, and th- what was that transition to going more into nature and the environment? Um, like, where was that transition point? Well, I feel like it was pretty much during like the end of uh, 2017, I believe, where I just started working more with different mediums. And that's where I began studying into different ways on how to interpret my work, mm-hmm. you know, because like by the time that I was graduating from Dominguez, like if you've seen the graduation um, exhibition yeah, from the students, like with my work, it was different ways of how I interpreted, like from video work sculptural installation and then like the you know visual traditional ways of painting and drawing Mm -hmm. that's where i've pretty much begun exploring outside of that and just representing of like okay so where's my lingo at what exactly do i want to talk about and in honesty my work is still in politics it's just that i don't put in the straightforward anti-trump type of way but more into leading against what his ideas are so pretty much about environmental racism racism in general, different ways of classism, politics of gender norms, and, you know, tackling these things without having to always, you know, go straight forward to Trump. Because in all honesty, Trump pretty much, even though he has been vocalizing a lot of this anti-nature climate, anti-science, pure racism, all this, you know, it was always there before him. You know, he only just revealed it. And that's pretty much the one thing I've pretty much thought of is that even when Trump's gone, he, his ideas are still going to be present. And that in itself is something where I just been looking into my work and started going more about and just talking about environmental racism, talking about different ideas of gender norms, tackling different ways of how we view the world, basically, without having to go directly to Trump. And between you and me, like, or just in anybody, I feel that we all feel the same thing. It's like, you get pretty tired of hearing Donald Trump or especially working about Trump, you know? Yes. It's, yeah. It's gotten to the point where I don't mention his name. It's yeah. It's either Cheeto, Orange Sus, um, Mr. Weave, because that, <laughs> that, that is a weave. That is not, is not his hair. Um <laughs> And now, but, um, yeah, I forgot what they called him because uh, he clearly is sick. He, he clearly is. You see him trying to breathe, and it's like, <laughs> oh, you got jello. I, I legit look at an article on like how the lungs are damaged um, because of COVID, and, I, and they essentially yeah. equated it to like layman's terms. It's like jello lungs. You're trying to put oxygen to something that's not absorbing it, it's bouncing it off. And I was like, oh, jello. <laughs> I was like, he's orange jello. Yeah. So like, I, 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 but, you know, the one, 
Go ahead. I was going to say, I've, I've been essentially getting in trouble on Instagram and Twitter and um, Facebook by not calling him or respecting. I'll, if he doesn't respect people of color or the LGBT community, why should I respect, or people who have no money, why should I respect him? Yeah, I see what you mean. So, yeah, I, if I lose my social <laughs> media after this, I, I you know why. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like from what happened was that when I was focusing on, you know, anti-Trump, yes. I was thinking more on just the idea of politics and political art. Mm-hmm. And that's why I just started leaning into like politics of my work, because before even that election, my work was abstract. Like, I don't know if that was pretty much known as much to some people, but no. my work was pretty very abstract. And I was focusing a lot more on very bright colors. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, from me as a child growing up, I lacked these type of colors because, you know, my mother just like, oh, no, you can't have this pink shirt. And it's like, no, it's like it's girly. But with me, it's like, no, I want to be able to have this color. So I focused on that a lot more. And pretty much when, you know, Trump administration was active in 2015 and that they pretty much were running a lot more people around me and including myself, we became a lot more politically aware. And just thinking about what's the importance of art for me and what I felt like was more of like talking about the individual stories, but also, you know, speaking out and like telling the world of like, what is the environment now and how do we talk about it? And by environment, I mean like political, social, economical environment. And when it came to like my interests, you know, I actually like gardening. So when I just started working with gardens and just creating work, I've thought of between two, and I'm just like, why can't I do both? So I've started working with environmental work. But now, like, even, like, today, like, with what's going on, the tensions going high with COVID, I've seen that with environmentalism, there's a lot of, like, this type of vile environmentalism, which is pretty much of, like, with COVID, the impact of what it does to socioeconomic statuses, how the environment affects that, and just mainly how do we go around it? And so my work is pretty much a mix of just environmentalism, the political aspect. But in all, like, I could just see my work as just political. Because I was going to say... But not in... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. But not in the political straightforward, you know? Yes. Because I was uh, going to bring up um, your performance pieces. Um, Mm -hmm. You did one... Technically, you did two. Um, One of four that spawned the name of this podcast series um the giant contra robot show and then you did another and then you did one earlier within that same year last i'm surprised it was a year ago all this was a year ago (laughs) and like we're in this situation where it's like wow i i must say because the last seven months it made seeing everything seem more far away than it was like so close Mm -hmm. but i do like i do see like the messages you was putting out essentially like I, I think you should be better explaining it because to me I'm like I'm getting what you're talking about but mm-hmm. I'm still like I don't know like the one that comes to mind is when you have the the um, this is we was at the Grand Central Art Center Power Walk mm-hmm. oh yeah that one, because <laughs> um, that one, you already you technically did a uh, a version of it 
at Dominguez, but now like it was like it evolved to this. What mm-hmm. was essentially was it like a test when you um, performed it um, when you was in um, the art show for uh, for Dominguez Hills to where where it became the durational piece, I should say, um, later on, what twenty nineteen? Would you say it was? Like- I would say. Um- I would say that it is of the same work, mm-hmm. but in the same time, it is also a different work. Because, yes, it is much a work that is similar to Dominguez Hills back in the, I think it was 2018 or 19. Because I kind of sworn it was a bit earlier. Yeah, 2019. Like October 2019, actually. Yeah. Actually, it was near like a year ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, like it is a, of a similar work, but at the same time, the idea and the messaging is different because for the Grand Central Arts Center, that right there was a different type of interpretation of the similar way to do it, but with added on like context. So the idea of Power Walk was both similar to the Dominguez Hills one in the sense of like what I was doing, having these stones tied into my ankles and just walking around this pile of like sand and the installation i've done yeah but the difference is that it's a different context of what i'm wanting to engage in wearing the mask as well but also even in the piece it was a lot more about an individual's way of going through power and just going through like the transition of changing yourself because you know it's like that one tale of like one individual walking through the desert and then they end up having this epiphany of realization of just like changing themselves and their way of thinking me was in the similar situation of like walking in the sand as i'm wearing this mask which has these symbolisms of different symbols of what i've seen in different artworks that i've seen in the past so like the sword is like this one type of symbol of like power but it was this quote that i've heard before just like the one who holds the sword points into one individual but the one who's handing the handle is like has the power. The one in the tip doesn't. And then with the same with the cross symbol, if I remember from the top of my head, that was in that mask. You know, with like the history of like what that symbol of Christianity has gone through and just how it's evolved into civilizations, what it does with just that one symbol. Like there's different ways of how we interpret symbols of action and doing. While in Dominguez Hills one, it was more or less about environmentalism. And for me, going around the sand and just talking about like our survival and just evolving from outside of concrete, which is pretty much why I had tied behind my ankles. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But there is actually a third interpretation that was done for my thesis, actually, for Otis. But it was changed in a way that made it a lot more prolonged, but at the same time, it actually adds into the work that I've been doing in Otis. So it's called 6,000 um, Heavy Travels, which is pretty much a continuation point to my 36,000 series, mm-hmm. which is pretty much a series of works that involve endurance or time-based works that I add on to 6,000 each that accumulate to 36,000, which is actually the number of oil pumps and oil derricks are in Los Angeles. So going through every endurance piece, it's pretty much the interpretation of the survival and environmentalism and the survival of like humans that are, you know, in 
part of the environment and for me to embody the humanity and the environment. So with the Otis one that I did, I actually put in 50 pounds of concrete on my ankles and pretty much walked back and forth in the gallery 6,000 times for five days. And did you learn anything from yourself from that? From what I've learned is pretty much there's a lot of mental power that is involved when it comes to performance works and endurance work. Because with that one, that one was not only just the most committed and the longest I've done so far, but it was also the most heavy-handed, literally, with the concrete and just, you know, going through the space and doing it throughout the five days I've done it. It's like this different type of awareness and just amongst yourself, too. Because, you know, on the first day, I was thinking of just different things in my mind, like what I have to do after this the end of the day, what I have to do the next day, homework that I need to do, etc. Because during the time, it was actually about two months before COVID hit the U.S. to the point where we had a lockdown. Okay. So I was fortunate enough to show at Otis before the lockdown. It was in the January 28th through February 1st, I think, I was showing that time. 20, 20, I have, uh, uh, January I think 30, so, 27 to the January 31st to February 6th. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I have, I have, yeah. I, have I, I do my research. I wanted to be, I have said before, <laughs> I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a uh, gaming journalist. So, nice. in a way, I, I like to do my, my due diligence before I go into doing anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, it's kind of hazy for me right now, mostly because like it feels like so long ago, but it was just a couple of months ago. Yeah. But you know, with COVID, it kind of like shifted everyone's memory. Yes, that, that yeah. is one hundred percent true. Um, I was gonna say, was there any like physical, not only demands but restraint? Like, it had to be like physically taxing on yourself when you was done after that week. You back? Hello? Yep. You, yeah, you dropped. Don't worry. I'll edit oh, it. my bad. Don't worry. I'll edit it out. I was. Uh, what I was saying was, it must have been yeah. physically taxing on you um, after that week um of doing just that that grueling week of you putting yourself into the piece was it physically taxing on yourself oh man you have no idea (laughs) (laughs) because not because here's the thing not only like the fifth day like when i finished not only did i actually have to just clean everything out in the gallery for the next person to show Mm -hmm. but right after that day i actually had to fly to mexico city and do it again but not the five days, but just like about three hours just doing that. But what I did for Mexico City was that I did it where it interpreted the number of gas stations in Mexico City. And that I actually was doing it with some of these rocks and concrete pieces that I found in the space that I was doing it at. It was like this old plaza antique type of building that there is like the art fair that I was a part of the Kipo mm-hmm. Bainio art fair that I was invited to do from artist Martin Durazo 
and that when I was doing the piece there, I did it with my ankles first, but I realized that it kept on pulling out of my ankle because the strings and wire that I was using was not efficient. So what I did is that I was actually on my knees having to just press these rocks on the ground. So going through the ground with my knees bare, like not bare, but with my jeans on, but to the point where it ended up ripping my jeans in the end. Like pretty much my knees were a bit bruised up. Oof. Yeah. I, <laughs> so more power to it, it was pretty much exhausting. Like by the time that I was done with the fifth day, directly the next day, I was just working from night to the next day, cleaning out that gallery, cleaning up the walls, because I was writing on the walls, numbering and tacking each time I've ever went across the gallery. And right after that, no breath caught. I just went to my car, drove to the MFA studios, left my car there because they were telling me that I'm able to leave it there mm-hmm. so I could be able to do the trip. I called an Uber and I just drove, I just drove to um, the LAX and I just flew to Mexico City that same day. And I got there like late at night at 10. I... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I more power to you because I, I I think I would be like <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Do not talk about anything with me for the next four months. <laughs> that would be, that would probably be, that would definitely be me because after I did the show, I did not want to hear. I had to literally. This is now understandably everybody had things to do, but trying to take everything down by yourself. For mm-hmm. a show, it is exhausting. Yeah, I, 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 it is. So I'm like, when I was asking, that was like, how are you able to do all that? Because that was like, I put all, I remember putting all those horses, those, um, the stools, the boards, the tables, I put them all <laughs> back. And everyone else took down the pieces and put them up, but it was like putting all the furniture back. So just thinking that mm-hmm. you, all the like you said, all the writing, then the sand and the rocks, the concrete, you have to clean all that up. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, and not to mentioning all my other work that I've done during my time at Otis. Like, it was my thesis, so I had mostly a lot of the work that I've been working on in the past two years. And this was a big gallery, you know? This was bigger than the uh, studios for Dominguez. So I've had to clear that out. But fortunately, at the time at night, I was assisted by my friends and my girlfriend. So we were able to get everything and just going back and forth from the campus, the main campus to the studios, because it's like a couple of miles apart. They're not pretty much in close proximity. So you'd have to drive from the studios to the main campus to show your work. Oh, what the yeah I, that's why otis is dead last on my list of grad schools <laughs> it legit i know is. in the future that they're yeah but what were you saying sorry i interrupted it's all right um i know in the future though that they're planning to try to put the mfa studios by the main campus like in the other block if not in the campus grounds but as far as i know it kind of brings a lot of benefit considering that it does give a lot more independence to the MFA students and it gives them like a space to work with outside from the main campus, even though there's similar rules and ideas that you'd have to follow based on the campus community guidelines. But 
you know, I, <laughs> you have this space to work on. You can go in overnight and like work in your space. I always think about students with disabilities, though. Like, yeah, that that is my like my main thing. That's always been one of my main things. Like, students with disabilities yeah, never are never treated with the same courtesy of able-bodied students. And that was always that's always been my thing. Like, if like I can can I could in a way could could, could it, oops excuse, I don't know why I'm stuttering. Considering I can. <laughs> I can consider myself a disabled student because before I came to Dominguez, I was never reliant on a cane. Now I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on not trying to be so reliant on a cane now. But I always think, like, there's students, there's students who are, there's artists who are legit in wheelchairs. And I'm like, you expecting them to go, like, hearing about artists, uh, um, Otis, half a block. Mm-hmm. Like, are you gonna help them? Like I don't I don't know if you had any disabled students in your in your graduate program, did you? Like was was there the way um, for them to work away from like from their studio to the main campus? Um uh, no. Like I don't recall having seen or interacted with any student that is considered like a disability student, but I do know that there is a lot of issues with that too. Like even before COVID, there's like a lot of issues regarding students to cat make it a class all the time so they've always requested to do video based like chat rooms to be able to do that but they've always said no but now with covid happening everyone's now using zoom yes. and there's actually been a lot of backlash that i've heard that there's a lot of students that have been going through cases where they've requested to be able to do zoom and that they were told it was impossible but now like they're seeing it was possible it's just that they weren't willing to go the next step forward to helping the students out who are requesting this type of assistance. That is just, wow. Oh, man. We can go on and on about that. So our last question um, mm-hmm. would be, what are you working on now? <laughs> so currently, I would say it would be like a mix of working with a bit of the political work too, but at the same time, kind of thinking more about my work and like going to the next steps of its evolution in a way. Because to be honest, there isn't always a time that an artist's work is always consistent. Like you've mentioned before that my work has evolved over time. And even to now today, it's still evolving. Mm -hmm. But the difference is that I have awareness of my skills and what I can possibly do with what I currently got and of my interests of what I wanted to do it with. Now it's just how do I start building these different bodies of work? And what do I do to talk about my environment, the environment? the social, economical, natural, artificial environment that I want to bring up. That right now is something that I'm going through and just these different translations of ways of how I'm doing it by like different ways of mediums, uh, ways of how I want to talk about it from drawing, sculptures, uh, photography, you know, like just going into this phase where I'm trying to basically get out of the graduate program mindset because, you know, in all there is this situation that campuses do actually try to mold you to this way of thinking that is always depending on the institution. And I don't always want to rely on that institution. You know, I just want to create my work for what it is and what I want to do in my own liberties. Mm -hmm. And pretty much right now what I'm doing is filtering out what I was having to suck up on to be able to survive in like the institutional environment, but now using my skills that I learned from the institution and pretty much establishing my work for what I want it to 
be and what to flourish in us. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, once again, thank you for being on this episode of Artist Talk, Derek. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, and for everyone, you can also listen to this on every Wednesday on simply on SoundCloud or Spotify. Um, if you like the giant contraman robot and the content we'll be creating, because there's a lot of things that's going to be happening in 2021, like Artist Talk still on Wednesdays. We have a new, a new show we'll be working on. It's based off an old show, but it's a new, it's, it's a new platform. Think Bill Maher type of roundtableness. That's what we're working on here at the Giant Contraband Robot. We have the main episode every Monday. This artist talk will be on Wednesdays, um, featuring our artist here, Derek. And then a new episode coming on Friday. And with that, once again, thank you, Derek. And thank you for those listening. Until next time, press on with pride, press on with purpose. And once again, orange is sus. Peace. (laughs) 